that was awesome that whole fucking drive google drive thing that was great i was like holy shit what our life updates no the no that too but the this this whole this long oh. extended notes I, this is like how long did this take you jesus christ it's impressive like 20 minutes <laughs> fast typer <laughs> you do mavis beacon as a kid Jeez. did i what did you do mavis beacon as a kid is that the like outer space with the keyboard with the asteroids and you have to press the key only one of the games there's quite a few yes i did she's that's that that program's the best anyways okay okay i will I probably just, yeah i just type a lot these days just <laughs> constantly typing and zooming and typing do you have one of those clicky keyboards you should get one of those clicky keyboards I know the ones that like you can change the color in the background. Yes. Oh yeah, that's those are great. Exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Um. All right, here we go. You ready? Yep. I ready. Okay. Uh, welcome back to the Cart Podcast, hosted by me, Owen. I'm here with my friend Amber from high school, um, who lives all the way over in New Zealand um amber thanks for being here um what can you can you tell me a little bit about what you do and why you do it uh absolutely thanks for having me first of all and thanks for extending the invite it's an honor um so i am currently a master of arts development studies student at the university of auckland and i came here to study development and criticize what that means, study the histories of it, theorize about futures for it. Um, and yeah, it should be called critical development studies. I wanna like say that right at the beginning because I think that when people think of development, initially you put that into like a certain box that is something Thing that perpetuates a lot of harm and injustice in the world and that is true but I am not a proponent of that kind of development so <laughs> yes I came to New Zealand to do it specifically because we know that New Zealand is a lot more of a progressive liberal nation than the United States is uh, it's formerly a welfare state some people may still consider it a welfare state um, so the government is more productive, has more of an influence on society, works more closely with society. Because, I mean, New Zealand really only has less than 6 million people in a landmass the size of California. Wow. So it's pretty small. Holy crap. Yeah. And we're really just out here, isolated in the South Pacific. <laughs> like... Do you feel trapped at all? You ever seen Lost? Yes, I'm, I have. I'm watching Lost right now. That's what it reminds me of. I feel getting some terror. Um, so development, what, when you say development, what do you mean development? Like development environmentally, socially? How? What do you guys cover? What, do you, we what kind are you most interested in? I came here with the intention of focusing on sustainable development and what that may mean for every nation not just what would formerly be considered like third world countries that are now known as the global south or developing countries 
not just for them, but for everyone as we're switching to like a greener economy and a green future. What is that going to look like um, politically, economically, socially, and for the environment too? But since I got here, I have just, so I have a background in finance. I was, I spent two years as a finance major at Tulane, learning all about the capitalist financial structures. I switched to environmental studies and it was like an environmental justice curriculum. Um, and yeah, so that's where my, the sustainable or like development part came in. And then I got here and I realized that I have this background of formal education in economics and finance like I understand the system well and I can now also critique it so I think that I want to spend my I want to focus more on that aspect of it than on the environment part okay um I'm one thing I always wonder about and that I'm curious is like with with the switching to this green you know greener future how economically feasible is it, um, do you think, to to do this well? Because obviously there's a lot of nations that are poor that have a lot of resources that we want, but to get that at an affordable price that we can, you know, like if Tesla's shot up $10,000 because we're suddenly giving poor nations a fair price for the minerals, is, that, is, is there a, a middle ground that we can hit there that's possible for both? you know, the first world and the third world countries to benefit from, do you think? I know. Yes. Kind of a I think that, like, I think that if we weren't living under rapidly expanding globalized neoliberal capitalism, it would be possible, but I don't think that it's likely. Okay. Global neoliberalized capitalism. So he said, can you define yes. that? Yes. Yes. So capitalism is the umbrella term and within that there's a spectrum that from my perspective goes from welfare state to neoliberal state with welfare states being like what you think of when you think of Scandinavian countries New Zealand um, Ireland to some extent all those countries that when you look up like where are people the happiest and like human development index like those countries that are always topping the list those are all welfare states or formerly welfare states that are now undergoing neoliberalization as well. And then the neoliberalism piece of it is the capital. It's like a school of thought within capitalism that favors a smaller government. And in doing that, a, a free market, supporting a, a very free market where services that used to be public services and so funded by the government are sold to private corporations. Right. Okay. That's a super see misleading term, though, it feels like. I mean, when I think of liberalism, I would think more towards the left and like like you're saying, a welfare state where more government intervention and more, you know, programs for people. But neoliberalism in this context sounds a little bit more conservative. Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. It's like hybrid liberalism is like what the neo part of it. Okay. So kind of both liberalism and conservatism grouped into one. Interesting. Wow. Like neoliberalism is basically centricism. Like that's the definition of like being middle ground politically. Okay. Interesting. 
So the lib, where does the liberal side of neoliberalism come in? Because with the the smaller government and the privatization of public services, that both of those sound pretty conservative. What aspects of neoliberalism are uh, left leaning? Um, so I would say that the best way that you could look at it, honestly, is if you take any like centrist capitalist state and examine their political parties. So we can look at the U.S. The we have the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. They're both neoliberal capitalist parties. And they're just fighting over like when you really step back and think about the broader themes of what global capitalism and what like what we what are we what the world order is we're really debating like these two parties are really going back and forth on very small like they're not neither party is very radical right marge oh for sure okay yeah totally no i agree that makes a lot more sense. okay yeah yeah interesting yes that's and isn't that that's that's america that's very america I now see that neoliberalism. So America is very neoliberalist. Wow. Okay. Great. Yeah. So in development, we look at like indicators of development, such as like the biggest two I'd say are like healthcare and education. And then of course there are so many other things that you can look at too. But like if you're gonna really look at like the two these two as the pillars of a functioning society, um, like the United States is privatizing all of this. So you think that, so kind of bring it back here. Yes, it's possible to do this, to greet, to environmentalize our economy, our world, but under the neoliberal stance that we have right now in a lot of countries, it would be really tough. Yes. And that is because of the way, the free market. Right. I get you. Totally. I agree. Awful. Yeah, yeah, because when you have this free market, you just you can't regulate the outcomes of anything. And whoever is the best at marketing and best at pursuing profits and growth is going to win. And when someone wins, someone loses. Okay, cool. So I think we've isolated at least half of the American population here for my podcast. Thanks. That's half my profits. I am no longer going to be the top dog. I got to I got to switch to some some uh, I got to move away from the neo-capitalism side of my podcast. I can't really run this like a business anymore, can I? You can't you can't ethically run it like a business, but you know what? Like if you can't beat them, you got to join them to some extent. Like you have to pick and choose which aspects of your life you're gonna join in on. That's the way that I see it. Okay, and you've 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 joined you've joined the uh, the sheep people in New Zealand and developed. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Let's see. What's my next question? Um. I guess let's just jump into the the other part of part. Of, actually, you know what? Can I ask you about your work? with the UN and what that entails because I know you have some association with that with the United Nations which is kind of kind of cool that's kind of a big thing are you referring to the zoom backdrop I am I'm referring to the zoom backdrop yes yeah okay so that was a project in my education and global policy making class where there's 12 of us in the class and we got divided into three groups of four 
and each one of us was assigned a development organization. So we were UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization. And then there was a World Bank group. And I think the last one was either like Save the Children or USAID. Huh. And what we all had to do was do a long group presentation that we pre-recorded. And then this week we're gonna watch all the other groups presentations and then have like a summit where we role play as people from these organizations and debate each other. Okay. Well, I don't want to spoil it for the rest of your class, who I'm sure is gonna be listening to this podcast. <laughs> yes. how, does, how does scientific and cultural stuff play into development? So if we're looking at the education as a development indicator, the, UNE the UNESCO is the UN organization that is most concerned with education. Okay. Interesting. Okay, that's important. Okay. So each one, like each one of those organizations that we're role playing as has like a very different theoretical framework that they use to approach the problem of education or the topic, not the problem. So they each group so, has a different way of addressing education. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So there's like infighting within the UN of how to deal with shit. Well, so we are UNESCO and we're also representing the UN. The other groups that we're debating are non-UN development organizations. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, Wow, it would be such an easy... Uh, transition to be like oh you mentioned the world bank wow tell me about that and then we'd be omitting that this is what we agreed we could focus on <laughs> it could be so smooth it uh, can be. i could maybe i'll cut it you mentioned you mentioned the world bank what do you know about the world bank can you tell me let's, what they do or who they are yeah let's get into it let's go all the way back to the beginning we'll go to the Bretton woods agreement <laughs> I hate agreements. I hate those. They're so boring. I know, especially when the United States sends a white man and he dominates the whole conversation. Is that a shot at me? No, I'm just kidding. That's a shot at Harry Dexter White. Harry Dexter White. Tell me about Harry Dexter White and um, the uh, Brenton Woods Agreement. Yeah, so this took place in, I believe it was New Hampshire, during the during World War II. During World War II, what is now like G7 nations and most of Western Europe got together and they basically were like, we're going to need a new world order when this thing ends. Um, and the conversation was mostly led by John Maynard Keynes, who's a British economist, and Harry Dexter White, who's an American economist. And so they're kind of like, John Maynard Keynes could be seen as the father of the welfare state and Harry Dexter White could be seen as the father of the neoliberal state in a way. Some may disagree. I may be slightly, there may be room for debate there, but that's how I see it. So they were kind of debating back and forth during this whole summit or whatever about which way, which side of that is the best way to move forward with more government intervention or with less government intervention with a regulated market that's still pretty darn free or with a completely free market 
that will forever escape all regulation. And we all know which side ended up winning. Neoliberalism. Yes, yes. correct. God, I'm good. You get a prize. Yes. Um, and the prize is that the US dollar became the global national standard currency. I'm benefiting from that. Yeah. I'm benefiting from that. I come here and everyone's like, oh my God, you live alone in the central business district? And I'm like, it sounds really, really privileged, but I'm paying my rent with US dollars. And it's, you know, you it's, know, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead. India, India was trying to slither their way out of this recently. You see that? They're trying to just trade with the rupee. They're like, we're not going to take US dollars anymore. They're trying to like just trade with their currency. And then, I actually didn't know that. And that's really embarrassing for me. No, I forgot. I forgot for a second. But yes. Yeah, I know. But then they, they put that on halt, which is interesting because like now, I mean, people were talking like different nations. I think Saudi Arabia was involved in Russia and they were all like, hey, maybe we should move away from this because like obviously the, the dollar isn't doing as well. They're starting to trip out. I think they put that on hold. I don't know. I feel like that could, I don't really know a lot about economics, but I feel like that could really shake a lot of shit up for, for everybody. I don't know. But then again, to be like, no, no, sorry, we got to trade in the dollar. Sorry, guys. You don't want to fuck anything up. That, that feels like a little. We don't want to fuck up what the, what we have established, right? Because it's working so well. Um. Sorry. Okay. So Harry Dexter and the other guy from the the UK um was the uk more more um what do you call it what was the word fuck uh the, the not the opposite of neoliberalism a welfare state was 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 that kind of their thing back then the england or was that just that guy specifically his view i mean for them to this is i actually don't know but i feel like for them to put him forward as like the chief delegate from the uk there has to have the practice at the time must have somehow aligned with what his his beliefs were. I feel like I feel like that's not the UK now. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't really know. No. So yeah, flash forward, flash forward, 1970s and 80s. It's like Reagan, like Reaganomics and Thatcherite or whatever Thatcher economics. I don't even know what the term is, but you have Margaret Thatcher in the UK and Ronald Reagan in the US, and they're like the new age mom and dad of neoliberalism okay i did not i margaret thatcher that rings a bell i had no idea okay interesting so yeah that came in and now the world bank's definitely locked into neoliberalist principles am i correct okay yes yes so the world bank was created as one of like the like one of the outcomes of the Bretton Woods agreement was the creation of the World Bank. And because Harry Dexter White had been, he had really, he won, you know? Are you seeing this timer? I'm seeing the timer. We got 10, we got 10 minutes. I like how they put a timer up though. It's nice of them. And then they ask you for money. Ask you for money. And I go, uh-uh, I'm just gonna start a new one. The loophole right there. Creative problem solving. But yeah, so- the World Bank and the IMF were established as a result um, to be these like global economic regulators and like overseers of development. But it was all established based on 
the philosophies of Harry Dexter White and then further um, like upheld by Reagan and Thatcher and other neoliberal global actors. So the World Bank, do they actually make policies or do they, is it just recommendations? And the recommendations or policies, is it does it apply to everybody or just the nations involved with the World Bank? So they have, it's like, it's like the UN, it's like a, an opt, an opt in kind of thing. Like you're a member state or you're not, but it's kind of like, if you're not a member state, you're turning yourself away from participating in globalization. Yeah. So they don't create policy as far as I know, as far as I know, they're mainly concerned with issuing grants and loans. Okay. And where do they get the monies for the grants? um the so the wealthier nations supply yeah okay so the idea is that money is flowing from the global north to the global south but it's not really in practice interesting so a lot of it just gets like tied up and like if it is given it's given with a lot of strings attached right okay that's that's going to come up later i don't want to jump forward too much into the kind of controversial side of it because that's what i'm most excited for i don't want to like no i'm most excited for the controversy too because that's my that's my goal in life is just to critique and stir up controversy (laughs) (laughs) you know that's what that's what that's what we're here for you know just create some controversy maybe maybe start a civil war maybe not that far i don't know civil war sounds bad I don't know. You're all the way in New Zealand, though, so you'd have nothing to lose. No, yeah. I mean, if shit really hits the fan, like we're this country is going to end up being a self-sustaining body. It's going to like it's geographically isolated. It's kind of crazy. Heard of boats? You know, people can bring boats over there. We're going to come over there. We're gonna, once we run out of food, we're going to take all the boats. I'm going to lead this shit too. I'm going to be the proprietor. You got you got me thinking. We're going to bring the boats, take all the sheep. Take the sheep away, and then we'll be like, look, what the fuck are you going to do now, huh? God damn it. Wait, are you guys more welfare-centered over there? I feel like you might have mentioned. Or are you neoliberal, somewhere in the middle? Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Historically, New Zealand was founded upon values of, like, fairness and equity. Um, that, like, the original colonizers came, and they were like, we want a fair country, now give us your land, you know? Uh, that's the tale as old as time but it was very different from the colonization of the U.S. like they they do differ in a lot of ways and one could argue that New Zealand's was less extreme interesting yeah so that provided the basis for more of a welfare state yes the government is a lot more involved in social services here than in the U.S. okay all right I'm looking at the time um uh but up bump but um bump but um i think we should just skip to controversies in oh, case yeah, go for it <laughs> controversies okay world. so the biggest thing since the outset is that they claim to be this like egalitarian benevolent development organization that's doing so much good and bringing so much prosperity to the global south when really they're just making it worse okay 
that's and good. that's the biggest controversy how 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 so how are they making it making it worse or just not because that's a big thing are they are they not helping that much or are they actually making it worse you could argue that they're making it worse by promoting this idea of the neoliberal capitalist world order Damn. and like imposing that upon nations that are developing wow okay like for example when you think of like africa prior to the like colonial era there were i think like at least 12,000 if not more independent political entities operating in that continent Whoa. like there were no like countries and like huh. yeah borders like and like central governments like that wasn't that's like a foreign concept and then the colonial era happened and then post-colonial era this is how it is now and that's why there's still we see a lot of struggle because this system doesn't just because it works for the westernized world doesn't mean that it is going to work for everyone but we continually try to pressure these developing countries to develop the way that we did. Holy shit. Yeah, that's kind of fucked up. I, you, you mentioned something about loans and how they can screw people over that way. Is it through interest rates that they kind of, kind of screw them? What's, what, what's, what's problematic about the loans they, they give? Part of it is the interest rates and they kind of make it difficult to pay them back um and then that gives the world bank more leeway to introduce more strings and attach more strings to these so it's basically they'll be like if you take this loan you're agreeing to do x y and z and all of these things are promoting neoliberal ideologies such as the free market free trade uh privatization of public services yeah so they, they give political requirements almost in addition to the loan. That's kind of kind of nasty. Yeah. Okay. How about the what? It's I just think it's so important, like to just emphasize. I, I personally think it's important to say as an American who's not living in the United States that the World Bank is like kind of historically has been like a puppet organization for the u.s government right i i believe it. we do that kind of stuff all the time yeah that's fucked up um shit and the world bank where are they headquartered um i think that's a great question uh somewhere on the east coast of the u.s oh really huh yeah uh washington dc <laughs> there you go huh hey wow that's a, that's a red flag so like the, yeah so at the Bretton woods agreement it wasn't just western countries that were present like the soviet union was present and they walked out because they were like this is this is the creation of a, a new wall street like this is not wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> like they saw through it immediately this was during world war ii they were like no we're not even gonna like entertain this so neo neoliberalist views and ideologies and they're pushing that on other nations and everybody 
a lot of people in the World Bank are neoliberalist places, countries. Yeah. Um, are there also some countries that are more welfare-centered? That are member states of the World Bank. Yes, but they don't have nearly as much voting power as the U.S. Yeah, how does that break down? The voting? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think it might be connected to how much money the country gives to the World Bank's budget. Because, okay. like, the budget is funded by wealthy nations. Right. So the the aim that or what the UN recommends which the UN can be seen as like the more welfare development organization whereas the World Bank is the neoliberal development organization so the UN is definitely more progressive than the World Bank but still also definitely has its problems you could critique the UN for a lot too but what their recommendation is is that wealthy nations donate one percent of gdp whoa to the world yeah. to development of the global south directly through them or just in whatever way in yeah through these various channels like it could be through un it could be through usaid it could be through world bank it could be through imf feels like a small number yeah yeah it and so it's funny because the U.S. donates the most out of all the Western nations, like the global North countries, but we have this just ridiculously high GDP. And when you actually look at the percentage of what the U.S. donates, it's 0.1%. Really? Yeah. So like Western Europe, West, Western European nations, they do hit their 1% usually every year of passing money to these development organizations or to the global south directly but that's less common like scandinavian countries typically go above that like i think norway and sweden are around like 1.5 percent of gdp so wow so the u.s gets away with getting 0.1 percent away wow i think maybe last year was 0.17 <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I mean, numbers are going up, right? That's good. Jesus. Yeah. But like at, at the at face value, the amount that the U.S. donates looks like a lot more because we just have a bigger population that is laboring. Right. Wow. Huh. So we are very much not a benevolent. Oh, well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's that's a good example to point to, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, it's just at the end of the day, the the 1% thing, it's a recommendation. There's no, there's no global system of governance that can enforce that. Right. Yeesh. That didn't, does that change per, I wonder if that changes per administration. I mean, I guess probably not too much. <laughs> I feel like it, it might, but... I mean, with so much like budgetary concern at the moment, like it might go down this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. I don't know how that works really or what's happening with that too much, but it seems scary. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. How do we, how do you even rack up that much debt? How, why do people keep giving us loans in the US when it's like we have that much outstanding, whatever? I'm Who knows? 
I don't, I, the, honestly, the, the ins and outs of like the whole US budget debate, I'm not fully well versed. Because <laughs> I know operating at a deficit is, is important. Like you don't want to be operating in a surplus, but like a deficit, it, it, it's, it, once it gets out of control, it's just like. Wouldn't, wouldn't operating with a surplus be good and have extra money? No, because that would mean that the government is holding taxpayer dollars and they're not being used. Ah, okay. Huh. So it's better to be overusing than underusing. Right. Oh, interesting. Huh. Okay. Um, how about the CEOs? Can you tell me anything about the the people that lead this organization, World Bank? What are they like? Are they cool? Are they uncool? There's actually like a change of the chairman is currently, I think there's like over the course of the next two months, there's going to be a new chair of the World Bank, if I'm not mistaken, uh, because the last one said that he didn't believe in climate change science. So. That that trips me out. That he didn't believe in climate change science. That's how the fuck. I know. It's like you're presented with all this empirical data that everyone else believes in the world, except for this like... Like half the U.S. population. That's yeah, pretty bad. So he was just in charge. How old is he? Do you know? Is he an older guy? I I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can't. They never put people who are under like fifty in these roles. But I don't know. Damn, that's fucking weird. That's a big organization to be the lead of, and then being like, now, I wonder, do they deal with oil at all, or or resources that go against climate change? Are they? um i don't i don't i don't know if they directly fund like oil exploration or anything like that because i don't think that they need to i think big oil does that all like in themselves like i forget which one of the pacific islands right now i i should know which one but i don't is like gonna agree to let a big oil company come drill their seas for oil because they need the money Right. Is that Brunei? No, that's that's an Asia thing. I interesting. I have no clue. I, oh. I read something about I think it was like some nation was like selling their oil so they could make seawalls for the rising sea. Yes, yes. A paradox right there. Let's... It really is. I mean, that's like what Louisiana is doing. Like these things that happen on the global stage, people forget are happening in the US too. Right. Like the inequalities between states is absurd. Yeah. Can you sorry before the before the recording you mentioned the Louisiana thing? Can you tell me that statistic that fact? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I did my undergrad in Louisiana, and for the last two years that I was there, I was in the environmental studies program. That is an environmental justice curriculum because there's so much environmental injustice that happens in the state of Louisiana because of like the free market and oil you could really boil it down to those two things the mississippi river delta has been channelized so it's just been like cut <laughs> into these massive channels that don't allow for the regular meandering of the river and like the flooding like the natural flooding that happens with any major river in the world and now one football field worth of swamps and marshlands is absorbed by the Gulf of Mexico per hour. That's fucking crazy. 
Think about how many how many football teams they can't have there now. They have a football fucking empire in Louisiana, and now Jesus, <laughs> they're losing by the hour. Yeah, and so there's already been two community two communities of like rural fishermen who have had to be forcibly relocated. Holy crap! Because the water just wouldn't stop coming. Right. Wow, Louisiana! Shout out Louisiana! Wow. Yeah, so there's this. There's this thing called the Louisiana Coastal Master Plan that was developed by all these climate scientists and like civil engineers that basically involves building like a giant seawall and kind of like reclaiming land, like building a really sophisticated system of pumps and whatnot. But of course, it's costs like tens of millions of dollars that the state doesn't have. And that the U.S. federal government is like, well, it's not that much of a problem yet, so we'll just wait. Yeah. Oh boy. So yeah, the storms are coming. Like. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to say that. It's already scary enough. I don't like hearing it. Well, you're yeah. you're you're safe. Get fucking go. What do you call it? Uh, Pearl Harbor all our boats, and then you should be all good. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Okay. 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 So World Bank, very neoliberalist. The chairman didn't believe in climate change. All looking real good on their end. Does anyone regulate them or, you know, give them pointers? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Um, yeah, and they just have this like massive influence over the, the, the developing world. Right. And like we can talk about human capital theory, which is like the the theoretical framework that guides the World Bank's activities. That at its core, human capital theory sees humans as capital. And okay. it's like it the whole idea of development in that sense is how can we maximize economic like production like how can we make humans more productive laborers right and that sounds good in theory right like if i'm more productive then i'm half i don't know i'm, I'm making more shit for other people but yeah, I, it sounds great if like if that's what you equate the meaning of human life if boy, you equate yeah. you know, with production. Yeah, I imagine that there's a lot of room for people at the top to exploit the human potential for sure. I, I mean, the way the world works right now, there's already a lot of that. Um, opening that up even more is yeah scary. Um. Yeah, I mean, human potential. How do how does human potential in third world countries? I mean, obviously that's an issue, right? Where we exploit people in poor nations for for our own benefit. Um, do you think the World Bank, the neoliberalist side of that, encourages that to a degree? The exploitation of the global south, absolutely, yeah. That's super. So what what do they usually give loans for? I guess kind of circling back a little bit to the beginning. What what the loans that they give is it for for roads for power plants? Like what's what do the governments usually use the money for? It can it's yeah a lot of times it's like infrastructure projects or the 
like fleshing out of a certain sector like education so that's like what my education and global policy making class is kind of focused on is like how are educational systems implemented reformed practice in developing countries and how do these big development organizations play a role in that so the world bank would approach that with their human capital theory lens and say okay you want to build an education system you can have this money if you there are these measurable learning outcomes right and a certain proportion of learners meet these deadlines and outcomes each year then only then can you have the funding so it's like then it's like you end up with schools where the learning outcomes aren't relevant to the local context they're not relevant for leading a successful life in that country and teachers are ill-equipped to actually do any real kind of educating and they're just teaching to the test like that kind of thing is what ends up emerging yeah that's interesting almost reminds me of what you know people did back in you know hundreds of years ago when they went to different countries and they're like hey we're coming here learn our this is our religion you should learn it and do that it's super morally sketchy uh, yeah so that's exactly what's happening with like economics in the world today yeah that's that's scary especially the way economics can work out a lot of the time with big vision yeah. and such holy shit um so who is usage in the notes here that you wrote me the u.s president nominates the world bank president this is true because they have yeah voting enough voting power to do that or it's yeah okay and then people the people involved in the world bank vote them in if that's if they agree is that how it works oh yeah so we got a tight grip on this in the u.s holy yeah yeah Yeah. i think something like there's only ever been like less than 20 like chairman of the world banks and i think out of those say it was 20 i think around 15 of the 20 were put forth by u.s presidents wow by the president jesus christ so yeah biden just put forth his nomination for the t- the replacement of the guy who doesn't believe in climate change yeah it's a weird way to do it when the i mean the u.s government is, has that much sway in it and it's in the u.s yeah, I like how you said it was a. It's it looks it can be like viewed as a proxy of the U.S. economy or U.S. government. That's yeah, that's problematic and troubling. Yeah, yeah huh. it is, and especially when you have like the U.S. government that has outsourced so much of its legitimate sources of authority over society. Like healthcare is not at all. The U.S. government has little to no influence on healthcare education the central government doesn't have any influence over and states have increasingly less influence over education things like that like the when the state doesn't really the u.s government doesn't really do all that much and when i mean you can look at that you can see that clearly like everyone knows congress is useless they get nothing done like (laughs) we all know this and that everything just goes back and forth and never gets resolved there's no progress being made and the only sectors that are really receiving government funding, like enough government funding to have any kind of substantial 
work done is policing and military. Right. Yeah. No, good point. The U.S. government has like sold off all of its power to these private organizations and corporations. And now it's like, oh, we don't have any actual legitimate authority anymore. Like, let's just abuse our power of policing and military to make everyone think that we're still in control. Yeah, no, for sure. We spend a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. if, if Russia and China just stops spending so much on their militaries, then maybe we'd stop, you know? It's their fucking problem. They're the ones that started yeah. <laughs> They're the ones. I'm, we're not in the wrong over here. No, right. Okay. This is interesting. Um, so if I put you in charge, if you were, if Joe Biden was like, Amber, you're now the president of the World Bank, what are you going to do? What are you going to Step down. <laughs> Step down? You're like, I'm not even going to associate with this organization. What if, what if people were more on the same page? What, what could the World Bank be doing, in your opinion, to help out a little more or to be literally get like the entire organization needs to go right and a new the one the best thing that they can do is close shop <laughs> right okay do you think the but the idea i feel like the idea of a world bank right where it's giving loans to to poor nations that's a good idea in in theory right we're, we're it's the, loan, the loan aspect is the part that I have the biggest problem with. Like, I don't think that there should be any repayment necessary or any strings attached. It should be grant based and it should flow directly from states to states. There's no need to have this middleman. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I guess the argument there is if they if they're giving loans, they get interest and there's more loans they can give, right? But you can't, you, there comes a point where the creation of new wealth is no longer possible. Right. And we've just basically like the aggregate economic growth on like the global scale has really not increased that much in like the last 30, 40 years. Huh. What's the money is just moving and being redistributed. It's not actually, no one as a whole humanity's not getting wealthier huh. it's just changing hands interesting but quality of life is not quality of life has decreased for a lot of people oh really okay i thought it went up since 40 30 years ago okay <laughs> you gotta do some research or something i think like the the level of inequality that exists in the world has increased within nations and between nations so the rich ones get richer and the poor ones get poorer yeah. and we can see this on like the domestic level in the u.s with like the rapid disappearance of the middle class right yeah no that's that's what you're saying it's fair I mean, also kind of just to add to, I mean, we're, we're, we're making money, right? Other countries, these first world countries are making money. It's not like it's going away, like that, that 0.1% that we're giving, right? Like that could be increased. It's like, we don't need to get interest from loans to, to give money and make, you know, give more loans or sorry, give more grants or whatever, give more money. Um, yeah. Interesting. So you just nix it, cut its throat. <laughs> it's like what we say it's funny what we say you know the whole like idea of like trickle down economics yes yeah so what we say in my program is that it's 
become trickle up and right. set. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that happens. Oh, no, I was gonna say that happens in Lost. That happens in Pirates of the Caribbean. They're like exploring an island. I think it's on the, in the third one. Have you seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Caribbean? Oh, my God, you got to watch them. Get out of here. I know you got stuff to do, but watch them all. They're incredible. They're exploring through a jungle and they're like looking for the the, the aqua de vida, which is the it gives you a mortal life basically. It's water from a fountain, right? And they, they come into this clearing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off because I love these for this franchise. And they find this leaf and there's water on the leaf. And the 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 water goes that's the dew on the leaf goes up like towards the sky. So I don't know, that just reminded me of that. And I love that movie so much that trickle up economics great okay. <laughs> image in my mind that's a good image i mean that's exactly how it works yeah great okay <laughs> so today what we've learned trickle economics bad for most people world bank not the greatest neoliberalism for life uh long live the the monarchy of the first class the wealthy class long live the free market like the free market <laughs> yeah okay all right i think that i think we can wrap it up there i don't know i mean i'm sure there's a lot more that we could talk about and that you know but that was awesome I feel yeah like i learned a lot today i really appreciate it um yeah that was a lot that was super interesting Thanks. Was it like coherent? Did it? <laughs> oh, totally. I, I, you, 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 uh, what do you express all that really well? And I, I, I understand it now. Because before this, I, I, like I said, I had no, I really had no idea about this side of, of, of I didn't know what the World Bank was or a lot of these terms that you use. And now I do. And I feel great. Feels yeah. Great. And I feel like it's like looking at what's happening like in in terms of case studies is so important but also just stepping back and understanding like the theoretical frameworks that drive these things right. is also very important right yeah love you thank you and thanks for i mean i personally i really appreciate that you're uh in this world and you're doing something about all this or you know working on that pretty cool oh. <laughs> yeah I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea what I'm, yeah, what my plans are. Who that, That's probably good. You know, you know, when they went out to search for the Aqua de Vida, they didn't know where it was. They didn't know what they were looking for. They found it. Sorry. Just that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Watch the movies. Okay. I will. I will. Episode. Have a great week, everybody. Take these. And Amber, do you have any last words? um thanks for having me it was it's always so much fun to talk about this kind of stuff uh yeah i i swear i'm not always a pessimist and a fatalist but the more you learn about these things the more you that's what happens so bad that's a great you know i i, I agree with that i think that's a great place to leave it off that's depressing but it's a good place to leave. <laughs> thanks for being yeah. on my podcast amber you're awesome